What is up, Jabroniacs? This special edition of Cow, a Monday sesh, uh, is brought to you by our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash comedians of wrestling. Go over there to uh, support the podcast and more importantly, join the Cow Muni. You get access for a couple bucks, $2 to be exact, a month. You get access to our Discord server where you can interact with all the listeners of this podcast. Mark the F out uh you get access to our weekly bonus episodes uh you get access to watch a pay-per-view with us and the cow zoom thunderdome where we watch a pay-per-view together virtually over zoom safely social distanced uh well not safe from you know too low's bad behavior but uh, uh that's a topic for another time uh but yeah right now we're in the middle of our patreon push we're trying to get 20 patrons that we're going to change the art of the podcast send out a sticker to every single patron based on our new Art, and we'll bring back the Cow Movie Club, which are episodes for patrons where we watch movies with pro wrestlers in them and dissect them to an unhealthy degree. So if you listen to this podcast, just know we make this podcast independently. We produce it ourselves. We're not under the umbrella of any kind of big corporation who's going to tell us what to do. We do it ourselves. So support the pod. Join the community. Cheers up. Enjoy Robert. We have an awesome conversation. Lime. Duh. All right. I am sitting here. With a uh, uh, f- fellow Jew, Mark, Mr. Robert Carpellis. What's up, man? Carpellis. We just Carpel- went through this. In the- <laughs> five no, seconds just, in. Dude, I just went Jeez. through it in my head. And I was like, I said, Carpellis. And then I was like, Carpellis. No, it can't be Carpellis. That sounds like the made up way. But you told me everybody gets your name wrong, right? Everyone gets it wrong. Everyone thinks <laughs> it's Carpellis. It's like the, it's the least Jewy sounding Jew name. Everyone just thinks <laughs> I'm Greek. Um, oh man! So I just go with it. I love it. I, I like. I started off by calling you a Jew. It's uh, oh, you know, it's a weird move. It's a weird move, but it's what I did. It's you know, but it's what we do. It's what it's we like do. We can, we can sense each other. It's like I'm a Jew born in Long Island. You're a Jew from New York. It's it's all the same. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll always play this. You know, you know. <laughs> On the show, everybody. Because Robert, before you came on the show, you told me you're like, hold on one sec, and then you walked off screen. I kind of heard you knock on. There was a knock on the door, and then you bashed your head into the wall. I see you're bleeding a little in your forehead, and then you walked out, uh, military style, Goldberg style. Look, look my Jewish no, my Jewish wrestling <laughs> savior is Barry Horowitz. Uh, that was our guy. Like yeah. we didn't ever think we were going to get a Goldberg. I was no. just happy that there was one dude on TV that I'm like, that guy had a bar mitzvah, and I don't care that he never is, is going to win a match. That's the guy I'm backing. Yeah, but Goldberg's the kind of Jew. He's going to have his bar mitzvah at, like, 55 or, uh, or 60. Well, I guess that's, like, next year. Uh, <laughs> like, he'll be like, he'll have a late one because he's trying, you know, he's, 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 he's at, towards the end of his life. He's trying to figure it out. Anyway, dude, I'm excited to have you on uh, the pod uh, for a session of the, I'm calling the Monday sessions where I just mark out we don't got to be topical we go wherever we go talking about wrestling so we met doing Total F and Marks so you're on the podcast Total F and Marks which has some exciting announcements you want let's just get that out here yeah let's let's break this yeah, here uh, we're 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 rebranding the show uh, Total F and Marks was started by comedian Dan Saint Germain uh, he it's him Scott Chaplin Mike Lawrence who are all incredibly talented comedians and then I'm like the schmuck fourth guy that's on there who who lucked out into the show and we were talking about rebranding the show because when it first started it was total F and marks it was Dan and another guy just as wrestling fans talking about wrestling and then we kind of looked at it and all four of us have certain degree of comedy background 
Mike uh, won Roast Battle for Comedy Central. Mike and right. Dan have worked on the Celebrity right. Roast. We're rebranding the show as Wrestle Roasts. So we're going to yeah. keep our same general format. We do a a 10 count format talking right. about all the different shit going on in wrestling, but we're going to pick a different wrestler every week and we're going to, we're going to roast them. And I love that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, we did a test run last week for our series finale of total F and marks. We did Baron Corbin cause it was just shooting fish in a barrel and there's no oh, real yeah. skill. And in, in, I mean the joke, you know, Hey, Baron Corbin won the Andre, the giant battle Royal. Like that's the fucking joke. Yeah. The joke. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. We're we're partnering up with uh, Conrad Thompson and his his empire of uh, of podcasts, and eventually down the road, once the world comes back to normal, we'll be part of Starcast and do a lot of fun stuff with that. So right now, it's just getting it off the ground. Uh, if you if you haven't listened, if, if you listen to this show, you're gonna like our show. Absolutely. Uh, and if, and if you don't listen to this show, how are you hearing this? Um, that would be odd. That would be that would be odd. Uh, yeah, we had St. Jermaine on a bunch, friend of the show. I love all, uh, all, all you know, all the comedians related to wrestling. It's why I actually started this pod. I call the comedians of wrestling because I was just sitting in audition rooms and we'd sit in the waiting room and I just marking out with other guys like St. Jermaine and, and just be and like. Uh, so I was like, yeah, hey, let's just have comedians talking wrestling anyway. So, dude. I noticed you being like, oh, I lucked into it, you know, doing the self-loathing uh, uh, Jew routine. But let's let's say this for a second. I would like everyone to understand this man. Not only uh, 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 he wrote for WWE, you're a writer at WWE. Yep. And also you run uh, WWE creative ish uh, Twitter. So yep. huge as a huge, huge following, bro. You We're, deserve yeah. to be on that show, man. They, you know, it's you're a huge asset. <laughs> it's like it's one of those things where it's like these are these are trained these are professional comedians these i mean i paid money to see mike lawrence live once um never dan because screw him but no, i, I never, no, so no, dan no. never came down here but um you know I, i'm a huge fan of comedy and it's yeah. one of those things where i started the twitter account mainly just to entertain myself right because once you leave wwe i left wwe to go to law school because that's the next logical step uh wow you, really Wait, so when did you work there? Because I got to hear all about this. This is, this is where we got to start. Sure. So I, I started at WWE. I graduated from college, end of 2004, mm -hmm. interviewed at WWE beginning of 2005 and was right. there until August of 2006. And it was one of those things where it was the only place I ever wanted to work growing up right. as a kid. Right. I have no right. real athletic skill whatsoever, but I'm like, I love wrestling. There's no way in hell I'm going to be a wrestler. I could, I could be Paul Heyman. Um, I could I could wear a suit and, and bankrupt my family a couple times over and still come <laughs> out uh, Teflon. Yeah. But uh, it was it was one of those things where it just it opened up. There was a weird gap between graduating college and when you could apply for law school, which is an incredibly boring story. It doesn't matter. But I had this window of time where it's like I can't go to law school for a year and a half. I got to do something. Let me shoot my shot and, and try to work at WWE. The weird thing about WWE and just to because we're going to keep bringing it back. Did you think yeah. you're it's kind of like you're Brendan Fraser in school ties. Like you have to hide <laughs> the fact that you're a wrestling fan because if they yeah. find out you're a wrestling fan, you're done. So is it Matt Damon is going to come beat the shit out of you or uh, I, I probably don't wouldn't even get Matt Damon to be yeah, one of the extras. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's such a weird place to work because it's all self-loathing. Um, I remember once I got I got heat from. I was in like the, the warehouse and I put on SmackDown because it was a Thursday night. I'm like, all right, I'm gonna right. Smackdown. and someone else was like, what, what are you doing? It's like, I'm watching SmackDown. He goes, no, no, don't let anybody know that you actually watch this shit. I was like, right. oh, 
okay, it's a, it's a weird world where you're expected to know everything going on with the product. You should, you know, you, you know the difference between if you're talking to a main eventer versus an opening guy, right. but you're really not supposed to know wrestling, but you're supposed to know everything about it. That's it's what I like, never understand. You know what? You just, you just summed up what I actually meant was the people who get those jobs. Uh, it seems to be a lot of people who get the jobs here, uh, uh, I notice, are not marks. And no. they really are, you know, I'm not making this about myself, but when I interviewed at WWE, I was like, oh, well, I'm a mark. They're going to sniff it on me. Can't hide it. Uh, but it's kind of weird to go into that kind of for that job and that be such a negative. You're like, wait, what? What? Like, what a weird uh, nombo, you know, like, like a non-combo. Like you think knowing the product, being passionate about the product would be a good thing. Yeah, you have to be able to write. You have to be creative. You can't just be watching the monitors and not doing your job. You know what I mean? Because they try to take it to right. this idea of it's narrative storytelling. So anyone that knows how to tell a story can tell sto- a story in wrestling. And right. as a wrestling fan, you know, that's a complete recipe for disaster. Right. When someone comes in and they're from outside, there was a guy that was there. I, it was like my first week there. So I didn't say a word. And he made this pitch where Teddy Long was going to be a vampire. And he was going to turn a bunch of other black wrestlers into vampires. And he was going to build this like stable of black vampires. And he's pitching this idea. And then he was fired the very next day because they're like, what what is going on here? Yeah. But that's someone who has no idea of wrestling where they think, oh, this right. is a, an open sandbox. I can come up with whatever I want. Sure. I would wrestling argue. It, 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 sorry to pivot here, but I'm saying I would argue that like maybe that idea is not good, but should he be fired? Like, don't you want good ideas? Like, why do people got to get fired for a bad idea? You know, they, they fire people for any reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, if, yeah. A guy com- if a guy is complaining, he's fired. If he doesn't stand up for himself, he's fired. Right. It's it's a weird it's a weird spot to work. I'm glad that I had the experience, but I right. got a lot of PTSD about it. For, like, really? like everybody else does, right. because you you everyone goes into it thinking, I know everything that's wrong with the WWE. I can right. figure out how to fix this. And you step in there and you realize this is you can't this is completely impossible to fix. Yeah, it's it's simple. It's all right. Come up with a long term storyline. Follow it through to the end. Make sure that the the guys that you're putting on TV are talented and can execute it. And just ask for like a little bit of everything to make some level of common sense. Right, right, right. And you get in there and everyone starts that idea. You put right. up a, a, we have a whiteboard with a month's worth of of grids yeah. where it's all right. Here's this week's Raw Smackdown yeah. going to the pay-per-view. And you think you're going to get there and then it goes off the rails because, you know, Vince was hungry and was angry in a meeting and changed his, his mind or he forgot what was going on. Yeah, it's not fixable with Vince there. It seems to be like everyone I speak to is kind of like it's my friend. I, there's a similar uh, relationship with SNL that comes like, you know, I came up in New York improv sketch community. Everyone wanted to be on SNL and everyone's like, why do they hire that person? Like, hire me. I'll go in there and I'll be the hero. And then I'd watch my friends get hired. Some of the funniest people in the world and they get fired so fast. And you're like, wait, what? Like, what? Oh, and then you realize, oh, like these are institutions that you can Go be a cog in and do what you can do within it. But you're not going to be this big catalyst for change that you think in these machines, you know? No, everybody thinks they can fix it. But then you get in there and you realize it's never going to happen because you're rarely going to get an opportunity to say anything. There was I remember once there was an email that came out. We were we were coming up with ideas for some of the lesser talent on the roster just to come up with something. And we got an email from Stephanie that said everyone needs to focus on how to get John Cena over. 
I'm like, you have 12 writers total on the, on the staff. There's the six, the crew of six for Raw, six for SmackDown. Right. And they want all 12 of us focusing solely on John Cena and ignoring everybody else. And I'm like, well, there's, there's the problem. Right. It's, there's interesting stories to be told. And the Attitude Era was so successful because everybody at every level had a hook. They had a story. They had right. something. And I get so critical when I watch AEW now where you had Lee Johnson on TV this past week and we used to do an exercise. Can you explain this guy's character in 10 words or less? I couldn't give you three words on who Lee Johnson was. Oh, it was just guy on TV. Right. And we're supposed to care about him because he's on television. Dude, NXT, I think is the biggest culprit of that. I I feel like NXT is just full of wrestlers who I'm like, okay, like, I, 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 I don't know this guy's deal. All right. He seems all right. You know, like I'm like, what's this guy's name? All right. Like I, I don't, I don't know. They, there's not as much uh, 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 character there for me. But yeah, that's a great exercise. Like, explain what this guy's deal is. What's his deal? You, you know, you already said it. Like, try to make something make sense. That's the thing with wrestling. Like, I, I find myself on this podcast, like, always, like praising stuff that's not necessarily great, but it made sense, and I'm just so happy that something makes a semblance of sense. You know, I'm like, wow, this thing, like it went A, B, C. Wow. I like that. And then I'm like, I don't know if I like that. It just, it, I'm literally just looking at math, you know, they, they work so hard to try to outthink the audience, right. but there's nothing wrong with linear logical storytelling. Right. You know, you look at, they made, you know, 23 Marvel movies. The Marvel movies didn't suddenly like pull the rug out from under you halfway through. And they're like, oh, by the way, Iron Man's really a clone. And uh, you didn't see that coming. Like, no, it's, you know where the story's going and you right. get to the logical conclusion. You're not trying to book week to week to, to spark a rating because that's what winds up undoing them a lot of the Yeah, time. like I, when I was in the theater watching uh, Endgame or whatever, you, ca- you knew that this was the end of the road for a lot of these actors. They're not going to be doing Marvel anymore. So Tony Stark, probably going to die. Chris Evans, probably going to die. People are still fucking bawling their eyes out because they're vested in the story. You know, right. You're telling a logical story. Right. It's not we, we got to swerve the audience because the audience doesn't really care. Like there's a fan base right. that will watch the WWE no matter what. That's um, me. And that's me. I have yeah. been a wrestling <laughs> fan for as long as I can physically remember. Like right. I was a little kid in and I had like the Hulk Hogan in, in the AWA action figure with the white trunks. Like that was one of the first toys I had right. as a kid. My parents were are not wrestling fans. They thought this right. was going to be a phase and I was going to grow out of it by the time I was like <laughs> like uh, growing yeah. up loving like pro wrestling and comic books, the fact that I ever had sex let alone got married is a miracle. Um but yeah. being a wrestling fan, you either taper off at some point or you're stuck forever. And I think we are fortunate enough that we're stuck forever in it and yeah. can grow and have that trajectory. I don't know how they're hooking young audiences today fully. Uh, my One of my wife's cousins yeah. is like 11 years old. He loves wrestling because he watches the YouTube clips of John Cena. So he sees like these little three-minute snippets. Right. But if I'm like, hey, what do you think of Drew McIntyre? Who's Drew McIntyre? They yeah. don't they're not following. They're not watching. They're not used to sitting down and watching a, a TV show. Wrestling was appointment TV growing up. If you right. miss the syndicated show on Saturday morning, you're not getting wrestling for a week. Right. So. Right. I mean, that that's just. Yeah. Right. That's an element of TV. Um, so. All right. I want to I can go down that road, but I want to know is the PTSD stuff. I want to know what are, what are the stories that really if you can tell what are just a couple moments where you were like, I got to get the fuck out of this place. 
you so know there what was, I mean? Yeah. There, there's <laughs> one there's one story that sticks out, and I, I've told this on my pod. I'll just keep plugging it. Fuck it. Um, oh, yeah. But, okay. uh, I don't care. Um, a good story is a good we story. Were, we were booking. It was Undertaker and Randy Orton were in a, a feud. Oh, yeah. And it was building up to a No Mercy match where it was Undertaker versus Randy and Bob Orton. And we're telling this really interesting story that Randy's messing with Taker and we're putting doubt of like what's going to happen with Undertaker. And we're at the go home show and the go home show main event was going to be Randy Orton versus Undertaker one on one. And the idea was that Orton was somehow going to steal a win. And then it's like, well, what's going to happen in the and this big match at No Mercy? Like we're, we're right. giving all the getting all this heat with Randy. Right. The way that TV works is you work Wednesday to Tuesday. Right. So Wednesday, you, you, you get in the office half a day in the afternoon. You start mapping out your show. Thursday, you're, you're writing whatever SmackDown is going to be. Or I was on the SmackDown team. So SmackDown and Raw, you're in your separate offices. You write your script. You, you, you're pitching it to Stephanie. Stephanie hears the idea. She gives you her feedback. You rewrite the show. Friday, you pitch it to Vince. Right. Everyone sits down at a table. They go through Raw. They go through SmackDown. And the good thing is Stephanie's like the Vince whisperer. So right. she already heard the show, so she knows what she likes, so she can kind of, no, 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 Dad, this makes sense. We're, we're going forward with this. Or Vince, she always called him Vince. It was never right. Dad. I was going to say, a, she called him oh, Dad? We had, no, we had a whole speech. Yeah. She's like, in the office, he's Hunter. At home, he's Paul. I'm like, I, I get it. Like, it's, we're good. Uh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm, not call, I'm not calling him Paul. I'm not getting my ass kicked. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so that's Friday. And then Friday night, you rewrite the show, and then I, as the low man on the totem pole, would have to fax Vince McMahon, the entire script, one page at a time, because he doesn't know how to open an email attachment. So it'd be like 1130 at night. Everyone else has gone home yeah. and I'm loading. I don't know how to use a fax machine and I'm loading stuff in one page at a time until yeah. I get the confirmation. Then Saturday morning, we have to drive to the office to have a conference call with Vince, who's at his home in Greenwich, which is five minutes away. Right. And we go through the show again. Right. So we're as if he's never heard it before, as if he's like an Alzheimer's patient or a young right. child. Then Sunday, you're flying to TV. You're on right. Vince's plane, which seems right. like the coolest thing in the world for about 11 seconds until one. You're not allowed to put a seatbelt on. And it's there's four captain's chairs wait, and two wait, long wait, wait, couches. Wait, 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 wait. wait, it's a private jet. It's a private plane. And you're on, if you're a writer, you're on the plane with him. You're on. We were on the plane with him, so there'd be yeah. four captain's chairs. It'd be it'd be Vince, Kevin Dunn, <laughs> Triple H, Stephanie, and then two couches. And I got told the very first when I sat down, someone's like, "If you put a seatbelt on, you're a pussy." I'm like, "All right, <laughs> dude, this is the best shit I ever heard." This is gonna life. go. This is gonna go great. And there's this plane, and then in the back of the plane is a bedroom. But I've never seen Vince sleep. But there's just like a bed. Like it's kind of weird. Uh, so you're what, sitting there. What kind there, of plane is this, by the way? Like. Like I don't know plane model numbers, but like, is this big or small? Like it has a, be mean, a plane. It has a bed. It has the and bed, and it fit, fit like uh, you know, sixteen people plus the yeah. the pilot. So it's it's the one you've seen the picture of, like the corporate jet that has like oh, the WWE right, 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 right. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Which was like cool for about eleven seconds. I'm like, I'm gonna yeah. get to be on the corporate jet, and then I'm like, I'm stuck on a plane with these people, um, and you're you're like holding on, trying not to slide while the plane is taking off because you don't have a seatbelt. And he immediately is like, all right, let's pull out the scripts and let's go over them again. Do you wear so a seatbelt during takeoff? No. Le even isn't that even take. There's no law. There's no laws on a private plane. Like he's on his phone while we're taking off. And I'm so like, this is like, oh, yeah. five. I'm like, are we going to crash? Like, are we OK? Is this going to interfere? With this stuff? Don't worry. About I'm sorry. It. I need these small details. I'm sorry. Go. Yeah, this, yeah, yeah. I'm here for the minutia more yeah, than yeah, anything yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. So we're going over the script again. Sunday. So then we get to TV. You get to TV Monday. Yeah. There's now then there's the the agents meeting where 
the the head writer will sit up there and they'll read the they'll, they'll go over the script. Now the, all the agents got this email to them, but do you really think you know Fit Finley's opening up an email and reading through the uh, the script? And, no, wow. this is the first time they're you hearing write it. it on the shillelagh. And you immediately become like the nerds in high school talking to the jocks because right. you're trying like, well, here's what we're trying to tell. We're telling a very nuanced story. Like they don't give a shit. And uh. we're going through this smackdown. Go home show for no mercy. And we're, we're explaining, OK, here's why Taker, you know, the, the, the finish is going to be. And then Pat Patterson, rest in peace, just goes out of nowhere. He's like, I think Taker should go over. And Vince is like, I love it. Great idea. Let's change the show. He's heard this pitch now three days in a row and approved the script and knows exactly where we're going for No Mercy. Right. And now it's like, all right, we've now and then we just killed Randy dead at the main event. He loses clean, makes no sense whatsoever. And now you're trying to sell a pay-per-view with it being ice cold because Pat was like, doesn't know where you're going. He hasn't seen the grid. He doesn't know we have three months of story mapped out and just was like, I think Taker should take the win tonight. Right. But uh, oh my! And then you're just like, well, because you spent all this time working on this thing, and then it just—it's kind of heartbreaking, honestly, right? It's it's rough, Uh, right? And it's it's rough because you you have pride in authorship when you when you do it, and then right, 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 it gets cannibalized. And I realized the way that someone survives there is they just learn how to operate with Vince. And I knew I wasn't there. I knew I wasn't going to be there long term because I I got a one way trip to law school. And eventually got the opportunity to go transition over to WWE 24-7, which wound up becoming the WWE Network. Right. And I'm like, this is a much better opportunity. I don't have to right. worry about going on the road. I don't right. have to deal with the the agony of like my parents flew up to come visit me. And while we were there, I'm out. I took them out to dinner because I'm like, right. no big shot. I have a job. And I get an, uh, a phone call that I need to figure out a way to rent a motorcycle for Christy Hemi when we're in Memphis. And you need to get it done now. All right, that's what a that's that's the life of a writer. So you're sitting. So I'm sitting there. You don't have you know iPhones. So I'm like, all right, I have right. to go home and go start googling or <laughs> and find a, a motorcycle rental place in Memphis, yeah. Tennessee. Oh my uh, god! Or picking out which donkey JBL can bring out to the ring when we're in Laredo, Texas. As uh, if I'm the donkey expert. But you're but you're a writer, not a producer. So why would you be there, doing that? There's no there's, there's no, no rules because right. when when you say writer, it's writer producer grip everything under the sun. I right. thought you just write the show, but then you're like, all right, you're going to, you and Bruce are going to produce this pre-tape. Like, what do you mean I'm producing? Like you're, you're the guy standing behind the camera saying, all right, here's what you're going to say. Here's what right, you're going right, to say, right. shoot it and then wait for Vince to see it and hope that he approves it. And that window of time may be anywhere from five minutes to three hours, depending on Vince's day. And he likes to see everything. The, the biggest, and the most pressure I ever felt in my entire life was Legion of Doom, which was Animal and Heidenreich, the most legendary right. version of LOD. They're like, <laughs> all right, they're going to walk down. They're going to be walking to the ring, which right. you see it on TV all the time. But they're like, all right, Robert, it's your, your big moment. And they're like, all right, it's going to be an Andre shot, which is the low shot where they look like they're 30 feet tall. And I'm right, nervous right, as right. hell. And I, I love Animal because he goes, it's like, don't worry, we're not going to make you look like a dick. Right, right. I'm like, thank you. And they, it, it happened live. They walked for 10 seconds. It was cut. And it was like, all right, that's that was the most high pressure moment of my entire life. Because this was, I mean, it's still live to tape because it was SmackDown. But it's like, this is live, live in an arena. And you don't want to screw this up. Yeah. Oh, man. It's, uh, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me the experiences people have there. Now, I, I, um, I, you know, I've worked in, um, 
because I, I, uh, like WB jobs are non-union, you know. So right. I, I've worked in these situations before. I, I worked. I just worked on a, a show. It's not out yet. It's a you know. It's a reality show. So um, I was a writer, you know, producer. I, I mean, I was doing. You, you do. You end up doing everything because you don't have. Uh, uh, you know, a union where it's, everything's perfectly delineated. It's like illegal for you to do this job, that yes. job. You know what I mean? So, it, it's, so I understand that, but it seems so extreme over there. I, I um, I want to, I want to tell you about my experience. Oh my, yeah, by my all exper- means. My experience with WB because one applied. Like I was up for this one job at WB where it was uh, they wanted me to write sketch comedy for this thing they were doing. You know, but then uh. Uh, and then as time went by, it, it's turned more into a producer role. I would go like, literally, I would have like, I maybe had six, six rounds of interviews. It was like, I had like so many calls. And as it kept going on, and then I got to the end and they're like, it was all a producer job. It turned into a full producer job where I literally was like, I'm not a producer, guys. Like, I'm a comedy writer, you know? So then that job and then that job never even materialized. So that's my first experience where I almost I guess almost got hired by WB. The next time is they came to L.A. and they're like, we want to interview you. They read my script and they were like, we love your writing. We want to have you come in for an interview. So I come in an interview. They're like, yeah, you got to wear a suit and bring like a paper resume. You know? Yes. That's I'm a like, weird thing of them with paper resumes. I'm like, OK, I'm literally wearing a suit. Dude, going into I never think I think it's so fucking funny. Like to show up to wrestling. This is the place where uh, 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 Mark Henry gave birth to a hand, you know. And you're walking in like I'm I'm dressed like I'm going into a fucking accounting interview, you know. It's it's whatever, but that's how they do it. I get it. And I I, I realized when I went, I came with six ideas for stories, you know, and I. Knew that they weren't going to ask me about them per se, but I guess I didn't, I just didn't believe it, you know? And my interview was, dude, they were so nice. It wasn't like anyone was mean or anything, so don't get me wrong. It wasn't mean, but everything they asked me was like I was going to interview to be the manager of Applebee's. It was like, what would your last manager say about you? Like questions like that. Wow. You know what I mean? Like, um, how would you describe your your attitude towards work? And then it never talked about like what I'm working on. And then it, and then the conversation shifted towards it shifted towards um, like, are you cool if somebody rewrites all your shit? Do you like working late at night? Can you handle like in so many words, nice words like. How, how do you feel about getting yelled at all the time? You know what I mean? And uh, and I and then uh, so I was like, all right, whatever. I don't know. And then also they were like, did you see Raw? And I was like, yeah, I was at Raw la- last night. It was in, in L.A. I was like, yeah, I was at Raw, and I was that was like, I was actually. And then they were like, oh yeah, you saw it? Did you see that segment? I was like, yeah, actually, I happened to be backstage for that segment because I was backstage with my buddy who was doing a, a segment on the show. He's an actor. And uh, and uh, so I was there. And then I was like, oh, man, I just tanked this. It dawned on me. I tanked that interview instantly right there. You know? <laughs> I got so lucky because yeah. when I went for my interview, because I interviewed first for a writing job, they flew me out. Yeah. And I met with this old guy who, who or this older older guy, I don't know, yeah. a total jerk, who wrote for like Beverly Hills 90210. Right. And he had like this notebook with like a rubber band around it. And he's talking to me and yeah. he, he, he doesn't know really anything about wrestling. Yeah. We're talking. It, we didn't click at all. 
Then they brought me back and I interviewed with, with Ed Kosky, who was great. And he's like, have you ever met a legend before? I said, what do you mean? He goes, we're going to bring in Michael P.S. Hayes. Oh, Don't wow. get starstruck. And they're just fucking with me because Hayes yeah. comes in and whatever. I'm like, all right, you're going to go for your next interview. Like, wait in this conference room. And they did the Lorne Michaels thing where I sat and waited in the conference Eight room hours. for three hours. <laughs> and they bring me in to go meet with Stephanie. And I didn't know I was meeting with Stephanie. So there's like a little part of me that's like, holy shit, I'm just sitting here having a right. conversation with Stephanie McMahon while trying to be professional and adult. Yeah. And the professionalism of the interview lasted for about like two minutes before she turned into like the coolest person. And it was this weird thing. We were having a conversation of who had the shittier dorm room in college. Yeah. And I met like, Steph is- once before. She was very cool. She was very, very cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it really. But then when she's running the room, she's she's an authoritative figure like you're right. It's it stops with her. Vince is kind of when he yells, there's a party yeah. that's scared. and There's a party that's like, all right, this is kind of cool. Like the Mr. McMahon character screaming at us. This is kind of awesome. Dude, if Vince ever yelled at me, I, I don't think I would. It would affect me the, the way he wanted. No, like, I, it, people are always like I, I people are always. So, yeah, yeah like I, I think I would be like, this is fucking awesome. Like, Vince, man, yeah. you know I mean? and that's kind of what winds up happening. It's yeah. so stupid. Yeah. And I've been in other jobs where like they're like, your boss is going to yell at you. And I'm like, I've been yelled at by Vince. I think I'm going to be OK. Right, right, right. And then like the yelling is like a, is like a, a somewhat stern talking like we're, we're not happy with the group's uh, performance here. I'm like, that's yelling. Right. Like Vince would scream until there's like veins and you're kind of like, this is this is even if he's going to fire you, at least you're going to get fired by Vince McMahon and he's going to scream you're fired. And that's kind of cool. That would be I know that's what I'm saying. That's awesome. So I what I guess what I was saying is it's so interesting to interview for a place like WWE and I have the credentials to do it, obviously. But I'm not even acknowledging my creative ideas. I'm wearing a suit, which I don't rock suits. And then I also uh, I, I also have a wrestling podcast, which I didn't even talk about. You know what I mean? Like, it, it didn't even come up. <laughs> You're like, it's so oh, yeah. odd. It's an odd. It's like, because I'm hiding. You feel like, hide your mark. I understand that from their perspective. Because, look, Mark Marks, you know what I mean? Like, Mark Marks cannot oh, yeah. be working there. You know what I mean? Mark Marks cannot be behind the scenes doing that. But like, if you're someone who's works in this business and you happen to also like wrestling, I think that's kind of the sweet spot. It's like right. I've worked with celebrities before. I don't. I'm not like, oh my god. You know what I mean? I'm not gonna be like, oh Undertaker. Right. Uh, you, know, you don't turn into like the Chris Farley show, where it's like, hey, yeah, hey, yeah, uh, yeah, hey, Undertaker. Remember, cool. remember when you wrestled Kamala? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Like, no, you, you know how to behave like a professional, but you should at least respect what you're working on. The problem with WWE is because of where they are in Connecticut, there's so many people who graduated from NYU or graduated from up there and they just want a job in TV and they're so self-loathing and hate that they're working on pro wrestling. Because the only thing in Stanford at the time was there was pro wrestling, Martha Stewart, and then there was like an offshoot of the MLB network. And that was it. So if you couldn't get the MLB job, you were stuck working in pro wrestling and it was like you were slumming it. And right. you could always tell the people you're dealing with who have no, they're just, they're disgusted by what they're producing. Like they'd yeah. rather be doing porn than doing WWE <laughs> and be, and feel more respected. Uh, it's funny because I, um, I feel like I'm becoming like, 
You know, like Mark Marin for years talked about how he met with Lauren Michaels on, on, on his podcast. Yes. And he was always like, what happened there? I didn't get it. I'm becoming that for WWE. Like, where I'm like, they didn't hire me for a job that I likely would have said no to. I doubt yes. I wasn't going to move to Stanford. I already was working on a job for Netflix at the time. So there's no chance I was going to take it. But I'm still like, don't reject. This place can't reject me. What, what the fuck? <laughs> it's such a it's such a weird thing because I look back now yeah. and this that was 2006 right. I'm in 2015 it's like yeah. 15 years ago and I'm still like part of me is like boy I'd love another shot at that like what is wrong with me that I no. want to go back in there and it's- I kind of did because I I got yeah. sucked back into wrestling a few years ago so I I started the podcast the podcast I started the uh, the Twitter account in 2010 yeah. um, after I finished up law school and it was like. I'm sitting here watching Raw. Yeah. I can't make these comments to my wife because she just politely puts up with the fact that I'm a wrestling fan. Like she gets That's it beautiful. from the standpoint of, you know, I understand it's your thing. I love that you love it. Um, I'm not going to get as excited that you are that Daniel Bryan got came back after getting fired for choking a guy with a tie. Yeah. Doesn't mean anything to me, but no. I'm glad you like it. <laughs> so the Twitter account was just like yeah. shouting out into yeah. the universe the stuff that I would say if I was backstage at Raw when we're watching the show or if I'm you know talking to myself. And people seem to respond to it. And that was what was fun was social media bridges that gap because I don't know how your wrestling fandom was growing up. Yeah, it was. I was the only one of my friends that was a wrestling fan for a long, long time. Well, I mean, Attitude Era, we all want. We all, my, my Attitude Era. Oh, yeah. yeah. Attitude Era is there. I'm talking about like the, the real post Hogan new generation era where WWF was tough to watch. And it's like, did you guys see that Duke the Dumpster Jose match? That was awesome. See, yeah, I I watched then, and we all, me and my friends, were all watched. Uh, but for us, it was less about watching. Like I know a lot of my friends, and and it sounds like you were like really following the story at that point. We kind of would like have it on, and then wrestle each other, and we'd have like the wrestling buddies, and we'd have our own matches, and wrestling would always kind of be on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we had this weird, but we were like all obsessed with it because we would like walk around with the Bret Hart glasses on, like we were upset. But but it wasn't. We were never, even as kids and even as we got older, until Attitude Era, we're not thinking of it in terms of, like, story or, like, you know what I mean? I don't know how to describe it. It was more, way more about the pageantry of the merch, you know? Oh, yeah. and, and yeah. That, But that's part of it. That's the nice thing about being yeah. a wrestling fan is there's so many different angles to come at it from where – I couldn't get into sports as a kid as much right. because I'm like, baseball is kind of boring when compared to SummerSlam. Right. And it wasn't until I was older, I'm like, okay, I can appreciate sports in a totally different level. Right. And my entire adult professional life until now, I've worked in sports in some capacity, but in, including wrestling. I'm counting it as a sport because mm-hmm. screw it, it's a sport. Yeah, but sure, whatever. it was it was something where it was it was very personal to me where I'm like, I'm a wrestling fan. Nobody else likes it. And then when the Attitude Era hit, I'm like, so now you guys are all wearing Steve Boston shirts. Like, where where were you? You, know, you guys don't remember Brett versus Owen. Like, That's it's like, like a my weird thing. Mike Lawrence yes. is the same way. And that's why Mike and Mike and I both grew up in South Florida. Like we had right. that same thing where it's like, oh, the kids that are all wearing DX shirts and NWO. It's like if I would have told you five years earlier I was a wrestling fan, you would have mocked me for being a wrestling fan. But now it's cool. So everybody's in on it. Yeah. I mean, I would have never mocked you to be uh, uh, for being a wrestling fan. But attitude out of head, I was fucking all in like we were maniacs. I mean, we were like lining up all like sitting out there 24 hours to get tickets. You know, for Nassau Coliseum. Yeah. I remember one that with me and my buddy, we camped out. We set up a tent outside of Nassau Coliseum to wait for the Ticketmaster window to open. And then we got there and we got the uh, the um, 
like the the meat, you know, the dinner package where yes. you're like you eat dinner at a buffet and then you meet some wrestlers come out and you sign autographs and then you sit like in the first couple of rows, you know? That's and awesome. we had, you couldn't buy the tickets online. So we were like, you know, we were crazy. And then I had bronchitis for a week. My mom was so fucking mad at me because it was like we sat out in the rain. I <laughs> get those tickets. But that's when that show that I'm specifically talking about is when I touched the rock. <laughs> the rock, the Triple H threw the rock onto the ramp in front of me, onto the grate, uh, 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 like the cage, the fence. Why am I? Oh, fuck. And uh, 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 I. He, he he the rock was just laying there with his back and i just ran my hand across his sweaty back fucking disgusting <laughs> well, i don't know but it's what? one of those things that, but you remember that shit and it's like yeah, that yeah. was amazing like i when i went to a house show and yeah. steve austin poured beer and i got yeah. beer poured on me and i'm like this is the greatest thing ever yeah. as a kid because when you had when it's it's again it's growing up being a comic book fan it's like i wasn't yeah. gonna meet the X-Men or something like that when I was, you know, 10 years old, but you could go physically see Stone Cold Steve Austin and there he is in person. Yeah. And and then you kind of meet him and you're like, eh, this is underwhelming. Uh, <laughs> but the yeah. worst was I, I we had a paper because Florida never got stuff down here. Right. WWF rarely came. It's it's hard for tour routing to, to come down to South Florida because the trucks have to it's a it's an, a whole lot of extra gas. Right. And they, they were finally holding a pay-per-view here. And my dad's like, all right, I'll, I'll go with you because it was an expensive ticket. Right. And it was Armageddon 99, which was when the cat took off her top. And part oh. of me is like, this is the coolest thing ever. And part of me is the like, puppies? I'm here with my, yeah. And my, part of me is like, this is awesome. Part of me is like, I'm here with my dad who already is like, I, like, all right, I, I'm tolerating you watching this stuff. And now this is what you were going to take me to see. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. I know, but it's, it's like, uh, oh, I'm going to show you something I just found. Wait one sec. I'm going to show you. This is worth it. Just filling the dead air while Dan grabs something. All right. So I posted some of these on Instagram. Um, but I found uh, this is uh, some my disposable camera from a house show I went to. In I, I looked it up. May 10th, 1991. These wow. are pictures from my disposable camera. And this pic, this is picture perfect. This was my dad's. My dad had a one hour Photoshop he owned, and oh, that's awesome. he he did this for me and put it in this. And um, uh, I was obsessed with Ultimate Warrior. I don't know if you're able to see these pictures because they're like a little now they're washed out because of time. So I got to do that. But look at that. I that's Taker. Taker Warrior. Yeah. Okay. But look, I realized this. So they had it, Andre. They had it, a, a Royale. I saw Andre wrestle, which I didn't even realize. Wow. In 91, bro. That's, that's pretty incredible. He must have been close to dead. I mean, right? Yeah. Well, he depending if you ask Hogan, Hogan was like he was close to death in 87. But uh, by 91, he was he was winding down. Right. Like he, he was just the guy from the Honeycombs commercials. Mid-perfect plex on Kerry Von Erich. Oh, I, I was a huge Mr. Perfect fan. Yeah. So I took these pictures. I was pretty fucking proud of that. But, um, so how old were you in 91? I was a seven. I was seven years gonna, old. Not gonna, I'm not going to try to do the math and when you were born, but I was born in '84. I'm oh, okay. the same age as WrestleManias. How about that? <laughs> Every time I'm at Mania, it's the same age as I am. Uh, so yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, All right, so uh, I'm 82. So I'm like right, right behind you on that. So it's the same. Right. It's the same trajectory, same era of, of growing up with it, and then still sticking with it to this day, and yeah. appreciate it on a different level. Yeah, I mean, the thing about wrestling, it's like, look, I mean, it's 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 it has its flaws, you know. 
but right. I try to enjoy it. I try to enjoy it. Let's just put it simple. Like I try to enjoy it. Uh, it's frustrating, and I try to enjoy sometimes not liking it. If that makes sense, you know what yeah, I mean. Like, so yeah, right, of course you you know what that means. It's not even a deep concept for a mark. It's like <laughs> you have to love this thing that uh that 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 is so frustrating. But I mean, uh, where are you at? You mentioned AEW. I want to I, I, I want to ask you about like how you feel about AEW. So you seem frustrated. I got, by yeah, it. So I got pulled back into wrestling. Um, yeah. When MLW relaunched, we right. we they, we were doing they did an event Wally Mania and, and Court Bauer and Alex Greenfield. Right. I worked with them on on creative at WWE, and Court's like, "Hey, we're doing this Wally Mania thing. Right? Why don't you come out for it? It'd be kind of cool. We'll we'll have you as like a a quasi celebrity for the Twitter account." I'm like, "Right." All right. And it was and it was nice. Took my wife. We went to Orlando. It was a quick drive. Right. And he's like, "Look, I'm thinking of bringing back MLW as a a one off." like pay-per-view event. Right. Like you, do you want to come join with you, me and Alex? We'll get the group together. It's going right. to be real bare bones. And I'm like, sure. And the roster of guys that we worked with on this show were unbelievably talented, but nobody had seen any of them yet. So our main event was Ricochet against uh, Shane Strickland is now Isaiah Swerve Scott. Yeah. 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 And it was, it was great. We had you know, Jimmy Havoc and you had Sammy Callahan and uh, yeah. Pentagon and Phoenix and, and all these guys I was getting exposed to. And they're like, we want you to work with this young kid uh, and, and do some promos with him. Uh, his name is Maxwell Friedman. You guys are going to get along great. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, all right, I don't know this guy is. And we meet, he and I immediately hit it off and he's like, you know, every douchebag like from long Island. I'm like, yeah. He's like, that's who I'm playing. I'm like, dude, we're we're in sync. <laughs> Fun fact and, about MJF. I mean, he works out at my mom's gym, and I worked out next to him uh, when I was going to visit my parents in Plainview. And I worked out right next to him, and I could feel him being like, this guy knows who I am, and he's following me. <laughs> anyway, oh, sorry. 100%. Yeah, 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 but yeah. I, yeah. Like, I love that kid. Like, He's my third son. That's how I always refer to him. Um, Max is – and that was yeah. what – that redeemed – my entire time at WWE getting to work with him because my one claim to fame at WWE, the one idea that I pitched that yeah. made it onto TV that was so, that was a solidified idea yeah. was we were bringing in Ken Kennedy and I was like, why don't you do the mic drop from the ceiling like at the old MSG and yeah. it'd be a really cool visual. That's your idea, I pitched, bro? I pitched that and Dusty was like, loved it. And Dusty's like, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I'm going to pitch it to Vince because they knew if I pitched yeah. it, I had it's a no chance. No, no. It's like some little, like some kid. Yeah. And it's like, so Dusty pitched it and Vince is like, I love it. Yeah. And then it wound up being a thing. And I'm like, every time I saw Dude, it, I'm like, all right, that's fucking awesome. And it was, it was the greatest thing ever. That, what of a which great could, contribution to wrestling, bro. That's my contribution. Yeah. To, that's my one contribution to the business. Um, <laughs> And then the reason I I hadn't thought about it a long time, then I found yeah. out there was another guy who tried to claim credit for it. And the other writers that were there with me were like, no, that was Robert's idea. Like, fuck off. But uh, getting yeah. to work with Max in, in MLW was so much fun. Like, that was what I lived for getting to do when I was yeah. part of it. It was coming up with ideas and creating this character with him and, and honing it and, and seeing those chops. So when I watch AEW now, mm -hmm. knowing that they have guys that we use like, like Darby, was was there with us yeah. and and we had Morrison and, I and uh, Hager. They're they're great. My my issue with AEW yeah. is they need someone there to bounce ideas off of before it gets on TV. Hundred percent. The problem is they Tony Khan is a very smart guy. 
yeah. he he knows wrestling like he's that he's that friend that everyone has that's like i can tell you what happened on uh, may 1st 1994 at the uh you know wwf yeah. house show like it's that kind of guy he's like a brain that's a polite term for it sure he's a brain right. yeah but it's him and then it's like the bucks who i've seen some of their like being the elites it doesn't connect with me that well it's like i see it i'm like all right i get what you're doing but in smaller doses it works yeah from a production end they need someone to sit there and say all right last week uh uh, marco stunt was kidnapped this week darby allen was kidnapped nobody saw like the the, see like you're doing the same thing two weeks in a row with two completely different guys and presenting it as a new story doesn't make sense they do like five turn off the lights reveals in the same show they do the same. They do that. They do the same moves a couple right. times in a couple different matches. And like you're taking away your big impact for it. You book Joey Janela and Darby Allen, which we did in MLW, yeah. and it was a crazy sick match where it was fans bring the weapons. And at one point there was an inflatable shark wrapped in barbed wire, and it was this crazy. <laughs> and then they then uh, Janela threw Darby off a balcony into the ring. I'm like, you guys are yeah. killing each other for like 200 bucks. What the f- what are you doing? And then yeah. they put him on TV. And they have a wrestling match with, you know, uh, hammer locks because right. your main event was going to be a hardcore match where someone gets hit with a potato. Like it's yeah, it's a yeah. weird it's weird structuring where yeah. AEW could be so much better. But I see that I'm just basically rewatching Nitro. Yeah. And also the interesting thing is like there's a, there's a like, um, you know, people complain about Star Wars because they're like there's uh, f- uh, the pow- force powers are inconsistent. You know, it's yeah. like you get so it's like, oh, well, when Kenny hit Mox with the with a microphone, it's like the most scoundrel move possible. 20 out of 10 way to cheat. It's almost the equivalent of he shot him with a gun dead, you know, right. and then stuff happens earlier in the show. That's way worse. You know, and that's part of it. And <laughs> right. there was a moment there was a moment this week where I and I almost texted Max yeah. after yeah. where. Him and Sammy are having a little back and forth and Max is pretending to record Sammy saying, I hate Jericho. And Sammy's like, right. are you recording me? And I'm like, there's a yeah. fucking TV camera. You're on television. Are we supposed to not know that this is being filmed? But then the next segment, you acknowledge the camera when they're standing like, all right, cameraman, go away. It's like, just take a moment and think about it. I love NXT yeah. when I watch it because on our show, we always say, all right, which yeah. one's better this week, NXT or AEW? NXT is great, but it's like eating your vegetables. It's great, solid matches. It's it's there's nothing on it that's really going to be bad. It's always very good, but AEW has that car crash feel that Nitro used to have. And as an old school yeah. uh, Monday Night War fan, I was always lo- I was like loyal to the WWF, like I own stock in that company. Yeah. And I'm like, I can't believe you guys Dude, are watching Nitro. Me like- too. I talk about it all the time. I'm like, I I, I that's my whenever I tell people like, yo, let's let's not choose sides here, like. I'm someone who took WCW completely for granted as a kid, you know? <laughs> and when I was at uh, WWE, when I, we did, we had 24 seven, we actually yeah. had a show and I wish this show was on the network and I don't know why. And it was awesome. We did a show called the Monday night war right. and it wasn't a documentary. What we did was we took all 82 weeks of raw and nitro and aired them back to back with a bridge of Michael Cole saying, here's what was going on in WWF. Here's what was going on in WCW at this week. And you can compare week to week and see which show was better. So you can be like, all right, WWF was putting like the Blue Brothers on TV, whereas Nitro had, you know, Glacier. So you could see which one was better. Comparing AEW to NXT isn't fair because you're comparing a developmental show that's trying to accomplish something completely different where AEW 
they only have two hours of TV and they have their entire roster on there. But I feel yeah. like guys vanish for no reason for weeks at a time because yeah. they just don't have enough time. But yet Peter Avalon gets 20 minutes because like he has pictures of Cody and a goat somewhere and he like <laughs> owes him a favor. Yeah, but like yeah, Eddie yeah. Kingston was the hottest thing in the company and then he's gone for four weeks or Lance Archer was a huge monster villain and he's gone for six weeks and you take for granted that your right. audience doesn't have the same attention span they used to. Yeah. I, I, I think those are really good points. I, uh, uh, a couple things. First thing you said, I had in my notes like, Hey, there's a camera in there saying you recorded me is what are we talking about? Like we all, I have this recorded on my DVR. Why does he need this recorded? You know, it's like, it makes no sense. Are we breaking the fourth wall? Are we not? Right. Choose that for your show. Totally agree with that. And then as it comes to NXT uh, versus AW, the Wednesday night wars are not a thing. Um, and I fall into it every single week on the podcast. I'm always, and then I, I every time correct myself, these are not companies that should be compared. But that's also you know, NXT's fault for being on at the same time. You can't help but compare the two. Now, Hold on, let, me, let me put the lawyer hat on for a moment. NXT aired on Wednesdays before AEW did. It just yes. was on the network. I, and, and this is a stupid nitpicky thing. I, I get yeah. what you're saying. WWE moved it to USA to yeah. pick a fight, which yeah. they shouldn't pick. And the worst part of it for, for NXT, and I'm sorry to cut you off on this, no, no, is no. I feel terrible for the guys in the NXT roster because I know how Vince McMahon operates. And all he thinks is, this is an entire roster of losers because AEW is beating them in the ratings. Therefore, right. Adam Cole, he's not a star because he right. can't draw a rating. Finn Balor, he's not a star. Right. And these guys are going. That's why Keith Lee comes up to the main roster and he's immediately his legs are cut out from under him. Right. Well, you'd say Keith Lee's legs are cut out. I mean, I think he he's doing pretty well up there no? He was, and they sent him back for uh, to the performance center. They sent to him go back, but then relearn then he... how to work. But right. I, no, I think that they 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 cut his legs off uh, pretty quickly, and they made him just another guy. And now you have to kind of rebuild him. Same thing they did with with Riddle. And I love Riddle's presentation on WWE. He's a frustrating yeah. guy to work with. Um, yeah. We had him in MLW, and we were trying to get pre tapes done, and he was hungry, and yeah. that was all he could focus on. And we're like, all right, we got to get these. Like, there's a right. lot of stuff we got to do, and he's like. Bro, I just want to go to Chili's. And we're like, no, we don't have time for Chili's. Like, we got to get this out. So, like, do your promo. It's like, all right, fine. I'm going to fight you anywhere. I'm going to fight you in the ring. I'm going to fight you outside. I'm going to fight you at Chili's. And I'm going to get, and I'm like, and at that, that part, I'm like, all right, that's kind of adorable. But then he just kept going on about what he's going to order at Chili's. Yeah, and that was yeah. his pre tape. And we're like, all right, fine. That's hilarious. I, uh, uh, yeah, well, okay. In terms of the Wednesday Night Wars, the thing is this is that when it, uh, there's so many different ways to go here. The AEW show is definitely frustratingly soppy. Like I couldn't agree more that they need producers in there for every segment. You know, I mean, you could say you could we could argue about if they need writers or not. I'd be pro writer, but all bullet pointed. You know what I yes. mean? Every you know, like not scripts like they get in WWE. You know, which I, I've seen those scripts. They're like insane. You know, oh, to yeah. give to give to a wrestling talent, it's just nuts. But um, yeah, but they, but I do think that a lot of the promos, a lot of the work is, it feels a little indie over there. You know, like they could use to be Very like, indie. this is TV. For example, I, I brought up Jungle Boy to Saint Germain, and he 
He likes Jungle Boy a lot. So I feel like, you know, when you step on one of somebody's guys, you know what I mean? You're like, yo, I like this guy. Don't, don't. I like Jungle Boy. What were you saying? I, I get this every week when I'm talking about AEW with, with Dan and, and, and Scott, yeah. who's like the AEW apologist. Like, no matter what they do, it's like, no, it's like, it's really good. I'm like, dude, I don't know. But, you know, Dan loves Jungle Boy, but I want to, I want to see. Well, I like this. Jungle Boy also, but I'm yeah. like, okay, I loved him. I watched him at bar wrestling all the time out here. You know, I live in Los Angeles. I, I, he, he's an LA wrestler. I yeah. see him at. You know, I would see him wrestle all the time. He's fucking awesome. He'd be like, that's Luke Perry's son. That's fucking cool, you know? My issue is, okay, now you're on TV. And Luchasaurus, I know, he used to do my show at UCB all the time, you know, and he would wrestle. He would come in the full fucking great guy. I met him uh, when he came off Big Brother. He came to a a Florida Panthers game. and And all we did was sit there and talk wrestling the whole time. I cannot, that guy, I have such a deep respect for that dude because he would come to our shows all the time and he'd be like, yo, I'll wrestle on your show any month because I'm always looking for bookings. We couldn't pay him. We had no ring. Him and uh, Ryan Nemeth would wrestle on the UCB stage, full matches for us. You know what I mean? And that's I, it, awesome. It was fucking awesome. You're like, that's so awesome. Because uh, anyway, um, and then he one time rocked me with a chair so hard. I was like, yo, hit me with the chair. He rocked me. I mean, Black and blues. It was awesome. I loved it. But oh, uh, <laughs> but okay. So now you're dinosaurs. You're a dinosaur, and then you're like a guy from the jungle, right? But then they're like he's from Valley Village, Los Angeles, which is just like a part of L.A. We acknowledge that he's Hollywood. That his dad is Luke Perry, Hollywood Jack. But then he's also the Jungle Boy, and it's like if I turn that on for my dad. I think I think a casual fan or someone, and there's a dinosaur. But he also speaks English, and he, you know, it's 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 sloppy. Like it's it's a little all over the place. Like what are we doing for a TV segment? And the worst part about it with Jungle Boy, and this is this would be the one edit I would give them is, yeah. I like the presentation of the two of them. Marco Stunt serves no purpose whatsoever because right. all Marco Stunt does is point out that Jungle Boy is supposed to be the small guy of the duo, and yeah. he's the one in peril. But then you have Marco Stunt, who's like three and a half feet tall. And and I, I love Marco. We we used him in MLW when I was there. And nice yeah. nice guy. But yeah. there's no reason for him to be part of that group. He's he doesn't serve a real purpose. And all he does is highlight that Jungle Boy is not as short as you think he is. Yeah. And it's it's like a it's it's regressive more than anything else. Whereas I think Jungle Boy could be a star if they tailor him the right way. They they can't give him a lot of TV time to sit and right. talk. Right. The the sit down he did this past week. You're exposing people. You can't expose guys. I think the, the guy who's been the most exposed in, in AEW is Miro. I think if the, the, it kills me because if he was still in WWE yeah. right now, he'd be main eventing Raw against McIntyre. I think for Dude, sure 100%. they would have given him the shot. The, and the, instead, he, his character is he, he, he likes with video the tank. Games. Yes, he peaked Dude, with the tank. You, um, Robert, you, I love you, man. You're speaking my language. I say it all the time. Your gimmick of I play video games you're done. You're no longer getting any money from me for merch. That is the lamest thing you could ever do. Is be like, I play video games. That's what I do. Now, I get it. He, he shoot plays video games and they're making money on Twitch and blah, blah, blah. Maybe in the long run, it makes sense. But Miro's one of the most frustrating talents I can watch. He never nails a segment, ever. His timing is awful. If they give him a joke, it's like, are you jokey? Are you scary? You don't switch from jokey to scary well. I, I, he's so frustrating. The Kip Sabian wedding was one of those moments where it was like, I should get in a car and drive up to Jacksonville, pull pull Tony aside, and, and just say, look, look, buddy, um, here's, here's, how wrestling, here's how wrestling works. 
You yeah. need to block a segment in advance. Yeah. Work it out earlier in the day and discuss everything with your with your talent. Perfect example. You bring in Sinister Minister, James Mitchell, where yeah. you don't with the announcers don't know if they're supposed to acknowledge who he is or ignore who he is. And they're like saying that minister looks pretty sinister. <laughs> and there's a pause in Excalibur goes, it's James Mitchell. And you can just hear Tony and yeah. Jim being like, what the fuck, dude? And yeah, I mean, segment, he said kayfabe 40 times. Yeah. And, and it's like he said the joke once it was fine. And, and then he said yeah. it a second time, like, this isn't that funny the second time. And yet Kip Sabian, yeah. his vows were kind of sincere and babyface when it should have been. I take you, Penelope, because no one in this building could get you because you're too hot for all these losers. Right. But you're from that's heat. Instead, yeah. it was I love you and you are my everything and we should be together. And the yeah. crowd was like, yeah, let's go. And then Miro's doing the what is love bit because it got a reaction from 20 people in Jacksonville. I'm like you're, you're supposed to be the heel so that when Orange Cassidy gets over on you, it's the baby face getting over on heels. Instead, it's guys trying to get themselves over. It's terrible. That's the kind of stuff that would never happen in WWE. And, I, and it's yeah. like there needs to be a middle ground. It doesn't need to be Vince has the iron you know, yeah. grasp on stuff because when NXT – they let the guys do what they want. Like Johnny Gargano on NXT this week with the reposition me in my wheelchair bit. Dude, that was so good. I thought Gargano killed it this week. He was awesome. My favorite wrestler week in, week out. And I always say, I wish I had a roster of this guy is Cameron Grimes is a dude who takes the dumbest creative and makes it work and hits a home run. It's not even just good. It's incredible. And he can deliver in the ring. And I'm just constantly amazed that you're, you, you, the pitch is, all right, we're going to do the GameStop millionaire thing, which yeah. is the same bit that Jamie Noble did like 15 years earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, oh, it's, it's a hillbilly who's rich. A, yeah, and he just a, crushes it. Beverly Hillbilly. Yes, it's right? the Beverly Hillbillies thing. Yeah. And he everything they give him, he kiss crushes. Kiss my grits. And kiss my grits is now an over catchphrase. I mean, it's not yeah. like my hole, but uh, which oh, they're going to, they've already ruined. They, they brought it back on SmackDown. They had Nia Jax do it. I'm like, you had an organic moment and yeah. you're going to run it into the ground. You're going to run it into the it, it's, it's all the same. It's all, uh, um, oh, fuck, why am I blanking on his name? When, uh, uh, you know, the dude who fucking slid under the ring. Oh, uh, uh, Titus O'Neil. Titus O'Neil. Yeah, yes. it's like it's all uh, the world. Remember, you do that 40 times. Yo, um, so I, I just want to talk about Jungle Boy for one more second. Yeah, yeah, no. So, like, because I really like Jungle Boy, and I, and I want to use him as an, just an example for all of these different things we're discussing, which is like, okay, Cameron Grimes. Cameron Grimes is, he's, his gimmick is like, yo, he's from the bayou or whatever, and, and he's a piece of trash who wrestles, right? He's like southern trash, whatever, okay? Shortcutting it. And that, now his gimmick is he hit gold or whatever, so that's, like, part of it. Right. You're doing the 10 words or less exercise. You're doing fine. But, but he really is that. That's what his character is, and that's what he is. But Jungle Boy, it's just he wears jungle stuff, but he's Luke Perry's son, right? Yeah, and that's okay. when that's what happened, though, because they, he had a gimmick to avoid being, uh, you know, my dad was famous, and that's right. who I am. Right. It was, and I like, and I respect that completely. That he wasn't yeah. just going out there, you know, like I'm Dylan McKay Jr. Right. and that's my gimmick. It was I'm gonna, I'm Bro, gonna blaze my own. I would love that. Path. I would. I would go crazy if that. I'd love Bro, that. Bro, if he came out on a motor, like a motorcycle, he leaned up against it like his fucking dad. Come on, man. That'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, but then he'd be still in Moxley's gimmick because Moxley thinks he's Dylan McKay. Um, <laughs> well, but, I mean, he's balding a lot more. But yeah, yeah, but Renee Young's a lot hotter than Kelly. 
Um, yeah, yeah. This, this got really like early '90s nerdy in a hurry, and I'm fine. I'm here for it. Screw it. But he's they because Jim Ross called him Jungle Boy Jack Perry, and the internet got mad at him. So Jim Ross like, I'm gonna do it every week because his name really isn't Jungle Boy. His name is Jack Perry, and he's got a nickname, and that's what I'm, I can't. I doing the Jim Ross voice, I always feel guilty of. But well, that, yo, so now you're bringing up. So yeah, so I'm saying. With Jungle Boy, he's got to choose one of those ways to go, yeah. and that's fine. It's all good. You you can dress like something and not have that be your character. It's just unclear when you also have a dinosaur or I'm also, whatever. It, whatever. It's a little sloppy. But you're bringing up my next point, which is announcing. And I'm curious where you're at on who you think are good. Who do you think are are the good announcers of wrestling now? And, and as of recent. One. So that's some a of tough them, one. So... Um, and again, and you like can I'm include put- Moro, let's say, even though he's gone. No, you know? I, I, I despised Moro to no end uh, <laughs> I, I for love a couple Moro. reasons. I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, go to, I'll get tomorrow in a moment. Yeah, yeah, and, I'm, yeah. and I keep putting over MLW, which I don't work for anymore. I don't get a paycheck. Fuck him. But yeah. we brought Shivani at him off balls. Yeah. And he was so shaky because he's like the Internet hated me. Right. All these years, what I did in WC was like, right. maybe I'm not a good announcer. And then when you just let him go out there and tell the story, he remembered, oh, I'm actually really good at what I do. Right. Jim Ross, when he was in the Attitude Era, was the best announcer that there was. Like oh. that was our voice of wrestling. Yes. Jim Ross now is the cranky old man who right. feels like everything he's saying he's going to get attacked for, and he's on right. the defensive. Uh, Excalibur's kind of grown on me a little bit, but he gets so I, I don't like him because he gets so super indie when he's yeah. talking about stuff. He's like, "These guys did this in PWG." Like I, I know right. PWG is, I get it, but it's like. You know, the, the Tope Suicida with Cone, whatever, like, right. great. Um, I, I it's I think Wade Barrett has been killing it on NXT recently. I, I think, I think he's, he's amazing. He's great. I, I, lo- I love his work. I think he's been really good. Samoa Joe has been really, really good. Samoa Joe on, is uh, great on the mic always. He I was think. always great on the mic, but he's good because it's that thing of you're a wrestler. So you're talking from experience, but you're not just trying to put yourself over. It's not like, you know, here's Daniel Bryan. You know, I wrestled Daniel Bryan and I'm better than him, which guys right. tend to do. Corey yeah. Graves has carved out a good character that's gotten yeah. more annoying as he's because you're playing to the audience of Vince. Right. And once you're doing that, it's it's a lost cause, because if you're not, you know, if you're not saying what Vince wants, yeah. you're not going to last very long on on TV. Uh, Tom Phillips is very he's a blank oh. slate for Vince, which is oh. why Vince loves yeah. him. Right. Uh, Morrow. Morrow upset me because for whatever I, I get that there's oh this is a very sensitive subject. I'm not yeah. gonna, you know, belittle his mental health issues. No, he's bipolar. Yeah, he's very openly he is, bipolar. But for whatever reason, he he took offense to to my Twitter account, even though I was saying oh. complimentary things about him, and he started telling people, if you ever at me and include WW Creative, I will block you. Whereas before he was following me and was like, thank uh, you so much for saying nice things about me. And I was like, uh, that's kind of like you're you're working for WWE and Showtime, which another company I work for. Like we, we, we have yeah. the same bosses. We work the same company. And that's what you're choosing to do with your time. When my goal was not to say anything derogatory right, to him, yeah. but I felt like he was an announcer trying to put himself over and get his catchphrases in a lot, which right. was frustrating. Yeah, I mean, I just. I, I think like there's arguments to make about more a guy like Moro that like it's too much you don't like his style but for me I'm just like the announcers are also wrestlers to me you know yeah. and that doesn't mean that they have to steal focus 
Like when Jericho is an announcer, it's like distracting. It's like I can't deal with Jericho as an announcer. Yeah, it's it's too jokey. It's like they did the show. He was announcing this show after Brody Lee died, and it was like it was a little weird. I thought like that I mean, was a, that was and that was, was a rough show, show for me to but, watch to begin with because I was I was yeah. friends with Brody, but yeah, Jericho on on there, he's great in small doses. He's not a good two hour announcer. <laughs> right, um, it's a little much. Yeah, but he's I appreciate it. Yeah, I do. Right. And I think to me, the best announcer that I always loved listening to was Joey Styles in ECW. Yeah, he's because great. he could carry the show. He's telling the story. He's treating it like a legitimate sport. Right. And he never sunk to uh, to certain levels. Whereas like Jerry Lawler on commentary, a lot of times his nails on a chalkboard. He's very right. talented, but he plays to his worst instincts. Right. And Vince loves that stuff. And Taz was a really good commentator. Until Vince would constantly be like, you need to be more like Lawler. You need to, you know, drool over oh. the girls. You need to make corny jokes. And that's Taz. not Taz. I love I loved Taz. I love working with Taz. Yeah. He scares the shit out of me, but he's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like, he's not the guy who's going to, you know, make jokes about, uh, you know, what the divas are wearing. And But that's right. what he has to do. And that's why Michael Cole has survived for so long. Because he was a newsman. He was a real right. legitimate broadcaster and he doesn't care. It's like my I'm getting my paycheck because the guy who wrote the show says, right. say this, I will say it. And I don't care if you like it or don't. I'm going right. to get paid because of it. I just want to see two things out of the announced teams. I want to see some sort of synergy like where it's like, hey, like our plan to sell what's going to happen next is not just. I'm going to do my thing. You do your thing. I'm going to negate you. We're going to have some kind of plan where one of us looks better than the other one. Some sort of improv, like, you know, yes, end of each other yes. if, if, at the least, right? Because I find them negate each other all the time and not in a I'm the heel, you're the face style way. It's just like I'm going to say my thing that I already planned out, which negates your thing, you know? It's not supporting what the audience already heard, you know? And then, so that's one thing. I like some sort of synergy there. Like, I felt like the King and Lawler had the best, like, it's like, oh, what are you talking about? This guy's the best. I love this guy. Like, they did it in the best way. I, I know Graves tries to do it, but it feels more like Graves does his thing of, like, he, like, ogles the women, and then the other one's like, this guy's nuts, as right. opposed to like, hey, you're right. I'm the I, I'm the more they're, of a grounding this. You they're know? Larry and Balky from Perfect Strangers. Absolutely. And then the other thing I want is for them to pop properly for what happened. I'm like, yes. it's like if somebody falls off something like this happens in AEW is the biggest culprit of this in, in the negative. Like they something happens that's nuts. And they don't even react or something happens. That's a reveal. Like a wrestler shows up. They're like, oh, my God, it's Sting. And then they're like, they didn't plan beforehand, clearly. And they're like, I don't want to be the guy who says it and then gets in trouble. So they go, what is that? It can't. Is it? And then someone's like, I guess I'll be the one. And then they go, oh, that's Sting. They, and then blew the, it, they blew that sting. That's another one. They blew the sting yeah, reveal because the yeah, lights went out and the sc yeah. and the Titan, the Titan Tron or whatever they call it turns yeah. on and it says sting on the screen before sting walks out. Yeah. yeah and like, yeah, guys, yeah. you, you gotta, you gotta time <laughs> it. Like it's a television show. It's not a shoot. It's not yeah. like you didn't really know sting was going to come out, plan it in advance oh, uh, and yeah. stop having sting come out. Because <laughs> sting, Sting's another one who he should know better. Cause he's like 91 years old. 
what is the Sting character in 2021? He comes out as the mysterious guy with 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 uh, snow, and then comes out and he's like Jacksonville. What's <laughs> up? I do it all the time on the pod. I, I go like I, I, I think. Do I have it? And he's like, I don't know why I made him Italian, but uh, <laughs> it, it works. Yeah, like right. It's just like you're like, dude. You cannot have this face paint that's emotionless. You're ominous, right? And then you just come out. Like, Darby's nailing the sting gimmick <laughs> oh, instead of him. You know what I mean? It's well, because Darby, I, that's not a that's not a, it's gimmick. not a gimmick. That's Darby. That's uh, why I love Darby. I just want to talk about. I know you know Darby. Like I just want to say, what I love about him is like you know his actual character. You know his backstory with the car accident that he was in. He carries that body bag, and it's for his uncle who died in the car with him. Right, drunk driving. And yeah. I, I don't know if that's true or not. Is that true? I don't. I don't. That's that part I don't know about. Who that one We never just got to. Let's. I don't want to ruin your child. I don't want to ruin your boyhood dream here. But yeah, it's true. <laughs> who cares? It doesn't matter. Honestly, it's a it really, shoot dead uncle. It's a. I think it. it it feels too weird to make up, but um, whatever. It doesn't matter. He has darkness. He never recovered from that. He has trouble expressing himself, so he wears half face paint. He dresses like the goth kid you're going to beat up, and he's small, but he takes punishment so he can overcome you because he is actually uh, surprisingly athletic and resilient. Like, it just – you get it. It's right. – boom. It passes the t- – I got more than 12 uh, words. Now, you know? now, let me ask this because this, this is going to be the litmus test whether or not we're going to be best friends or not. Yeah. What's your take on Cody? <laughs> That's the appropriate response. Um, well, here's my thing. No, I, I, I think I, the only reason I didn't respond is because you um, you put a lot of pressure on it, man, because I want to be your friend, you know. But, um, you know, it's a high bar a, to clear here. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to text you to be like, yo, great pod. And it's going to be like, did not message not delivered. Immediately yeah, blocked. <laughs> you're, you're blocked. You're blocked. <laughs> so I really like Cody. Okay. I really like Cody. I, I I love a lot of the work he did early in AEW. And generally, from a macro view, I like a lot. I like what he's doing. And he's had some amazing moments. The match with his brother was... I fucking loved yeah. it. Right? It's great. Um, and do I... Do I think that there's some stuff I would change about some of the stuff that he does on the show? Like how his entrance is like just just makes everyone else look stupid. You know what I mean? Like compared to the show, like small things like that. Yes. But am I the biggest Cody Mark in the world? No, but I really like him. Where are you at? I could not. If you gave me a thousand words to explain his character, I would need about 10,000 more after my whole thing on him is he's a heel who doesn't know he's a heel. And he in I feel like he thinks he's Isn't that jump. something though? It's pretty fucking cool. You just it, made it, it. It is if no no, but it is, but it's not yeah. intentional. That's it's not the part intentional. of it that's, like he I, for the longest time yeah. like he thinks he's Triple H and he thinks he's John Cena. Right. And he's neither of them because these matches he's having, it's like it's such an honor to be in the ring with 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 Cody. You know, it's like I'm gonna I'm gonna wrestle Pierre Avalon for and give him fourteen yeah. minutes. Because it, I'm gonna put, I'm gonna make this guy seem big. When instead, it just makes Cody seem less than. When he gives his promos, he's talking like he's the most beloved man in the sport. 
when it's not really that established. You're the guy who, you know, you write the show. We get it. We're supposed to like you for that. You have this whole family of of jabronis that come out with you, like my boy QT Marshall, who like that's another one who I, you know, he may have saved Cody from a burning building or something. That's why he has a job for life. It's like the guy hangs out with nothing but geeks. He's completely lacks any kind of self-awareness of who he is. And when he's on TV, he's, he'd be so much more compelling as this exact same character as a heel instead of thinking, I'm a beloved babyface and I'm going to be Ric Flair and I can wrestle any kind of match and make it work. So here's what I would say is that I completely agree with you now. I think when this company was starting, yeah. it was important to be like, this is Dusty Rhodes' son. He's starting this. He was a huge indie star at the time. He was in the Bullet Club. He had a really awesome story of starting this company. And so I think selling him as the centerpiece of the company, I think, was important. You know yes. what I mean? And and then now they're making him like a star on TNT. They're expanding him into that celeb universe with like the Shacks and the Snoops. And I, I got no, I got no beef with that because I think you got to do what you got to do. It does reek of WCW. The Shack one, the Shack stuff is the is the dumbest thing they could possibly do. Well, the booking um, is so bad. If you that's my problem do it. with it, yeah. because what I what I try to explain is you're getting Shack. I get it because it's TNT. Right. It's a huge, it's a huge get, and they're yeah. doing what WWE never could do, which is get right. Shack in a match. Yeah. Why is Shaq the heel? It's Cupcake Cody Rhodes. I mean, I guess, is he even the heel, though? Like, I, I don't even know. What, to be honest, that's giving this feud more credit than it deserves. But that's my <laughs> point. Like, what this should have been yeah. is, and I said all along, this should have been Shaq showed up at, at TV as yeah. Cody's buddy, and then MJF insults him. And now you're doing a match where it's like that way when Shaq's making fun of MJF on right. NBA, whenever that works because Shaq, it's cool. This is Shaq making fun of the guy who was a heel. Instead, yeah. it's Shaq belittling your top baby face. And if you're a casual fan tuning in, are you rooting? Are you going to root for Cody? No, you're going to root for Shaq because it's cool to see Shaquille O'Neal wrestle. So you're making your guy supposed to be one of your top baby faces yeah. look like a, like a heel or an idiot. It's a weird yeah. dynamic when you could use him a lot differently. I think that, yeah. So, uh, listen, I, I'm not going to defend anything they're doing with that. The only thing I'll say is, like, I get they're trying to get more eyes on the product. Yeah. They're expanding into NBA. Uh, you know, like getting those NBA viewers. I have casual. I always, my buddy John Wadowski is like a lapsed wrestling fan. And I always think of, like, when he texts me to be like, yo, what's going on with this? I call it the Wadowski test, meaning, like, <laughs> he's going to text me and be like, yo, when is Shaq wrestling? I want to watch that. And so I always understand bringing those people back in, you know, okay. and trying to get ratings. So I'll always get that. In terms of Cody, the character, I think he nailed the beginning. And now I do think now we're in this next phase of him. And you're right. They're not totally recognizing that, like, he's not a huge star, really. Like, he's big within the company, but he's not a crossover talent. So there's a, there's a, you know, it's, it feels inauthentic to act like he's like Conor, the Conor McGregor here or whatever. So right. I think that does feel a little heelish. Uh but I always trust Cody. I feel like he gets, he ultimately gets it gets it right. I think most of it, like you know. I think he loves. I think he loves wrestling. I think he respects it. I, yeah. I worked with Dusty. I love Dusty. Yeah. Cody getting the neck tattoo was a pure heel move. I'm sorry. If you have a neck tattoo, you're not a, a white meat baby face. Uh, that's uh, a, man, that's that blew a little, my mind. It blew. My, I, 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 I still I look at it and real. I still go. I still go like what? But like now I like it. You know what I mean? Now, you're now, used to it now. Yeah, yeah. Now I like it. But the problem with that tattoo is that's one of those tattoos where you're like, 
that's where it starts. Like, there's going to be way more tats. You cannot just have a neck piece that you don't expand. Because when you get sick of having this fucking blotch on your neck, the only way to fix it is by expanding out. So no, he's going to be know covered. Randy Orton, I get it. <laughs> Yo, where are you at? That's the last thing I want to say to you because I got to pee. Um, no, Robert, by the way, the, the, the behind the curtain, this is the Saturday before Valentine's Day, and I'm spending my Saturday <laughs> night not with the wife, but I'm sitting here talking, talking with Dan, talking to you guys. And yeah. uh, and she look, she gets it. She's like, no, go yeah. and go have fun and, and, <laughs> and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'll let you get out of here anyway. No, you gotta go anyway. We, we've, we've cleared the night. Listen, Robert, you could just say yeah. I gotta go. Okay, I understand what you're saying. All right. Listen, last thing I want to ask you is, where you at, on Randy? Now, right. what, what do you think? So, where you yeah, at, so Kurt Randy? You work with the guy. With, when I work with Randy, yeah, he was. I'll, I'll use the play terms. He was young. He was brash. Uh, he was cocky. He was arrogant. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty well a, documented what he was when you were there. Yeah. Randy. So Randy Orton, and, yeah. and he doesn't care. I'm saying he follows me on Twitter. Yeah, he loves the Twitter account. Yeah, he's a super. He's a super cool guy. Like we we've gone back and forth for for years on yeah. on Twitter. He'll like stuff that I say that I'm like, dude, you're gonna get fired for liking this. Like if I'm burying Brock, he's like, yeah. I don't give. He's like, he doesn't give a shit and he's having right. fun. Right. And I think Randy Orton over the last year and a half has been the best thing on WWE in a lot of ways. Bro, I a hundred percent agree. He's he's having he's having the because I know when Randy's not having a good time you can just tell on his Everyone, face when he's stuck in something that he hates yeah and he's he's having a great time even with goofy stuff yeah. he makes it work and he's having fun with it and I I love it for Randy I mean I couldn't be happier for him he's doing what he wants to do even the stuff with the fiend which is kind of ridiculous and and goofy and over the top. Like my my dream is that they wind up doing a Firefly Funhouse match at WrestleMania, right. and at some point John Cena's there because he's still stuck inside the Fiend from last year. Oh my god! I and love he's just that. like, oh hey Randy, you're here now, cool. Oh, and then they have a match within the Fiendverse. Well, I don't know if they can because John's <laughs> in Canada because he's know. like you know so you know he I, I want him like on a TV screen somewhere where he's just like, hey Randy, welcome to uh, <laughs> welcome to the inside of the Fiend. I had a friend who was writing something for John uh, for for John Cena for uh, a show, and they were writing a joke for somebody to say to John Cena, and they texted me to be like, "Yo, does this make any?" They messed me like, "Does this make sense?" Like they run wrestling jokes by me, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, "Yo, why don't you just hire me? If you got if you got a wrestling talent, why not get someone who understands it?" No, they're, they're not gonna do that. They're no, not- they're, they're, because <laughs> they, because they know. Like you need someone that speaks wrestling to do it. I was reading there was an yeah. article in like uh, it was it was like Wall Street Journal or something it was talking yeah. about the the launch of Xbox and what it meant to Microsoft from a corporate end. Yeah. And one of the things they started talking about was that they got the rock for the launch of Xbox for Bill Gates to be on stage with them. And then all the their like production people had to start watching wrestling to come up with lines for for Bill Gates to say to the rock that made yeah. sense. For his character, I just picture like a group of people on uh, at Microsoft watching SmackDown. Like, all right, yeah. this is what Bill Gates can say, and this is gonna this is gonna appeal to that audience. And I'm like, you could have found any 18 year old kid, and he would have told you exactly what to say. Yeah, I know that. Um, it, it's 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 always it's the beauty, it's the curse of wrestling. Is like it is it is there's it's a little inside you know and so it's why when you have jeremy piven comes in and he calls it the summer fest and like when you have those moments where you're like you know you just don't you could tell instantly you don't you don't get it you hear but you don't had get this it. conversation yeah. today i mean we we record i yeah. recorded a podcast earlier with we recorded with david arquette 
Yeah. And we watched his, his documentary on Hulu, which is a great yeah. documentary. And in it, there's like all these people shitting on Arquette for being world champion. Like, he yeah, I watched his, it when he came he on. Did here. Not, he didn't come anywhere close to ruining WCW. And he was a guy who loved pro wrestling. And I, I literally said to him, I'm like, unlike Jeremy Piven, who showed up, who clearly had no idea what the hell wrestling was. It's like, right. I'm going to just use this audience and, and their WWE is going to whore them out and they're yeah. fine with it versus like Bad Bunny. Yeah, I love the Bad Bunnies. I don't know who Bad Bunny is. I'm I'm a thousand years old. I, yeah. I knew him from like a Corona commercial, yeah. but I'm like he clearly loves pro wrestling. Yeah, keep this dude here as long as possible. Dude, that's exactly. It's like yo, I don't even give a shit. As long as you actually respect this thing, then fucking you're welcome. You right. come on, especially when Raw's three hours. We can find some time for Bad Bunny. You know what I mean? Give him some time and give Damian Priest the rub. Let Miz have fun because I love yeah. Miz Morrison. It's oh, like yeah. that's that's how you use a celebrity and, and it works. Shaq's a wrestling fan. I'm cool with Shaq being there. Yeah. Snoop Dogg, he likes wrestling. You know, he's got Sasha Banks. He's always been yeah. around. Anyone that wants to come and be a wrestling fan, like join the club. Like it's great. It's yeah, we nice don't we because- don't need you. There's enough marks. We don't need you if you don't want to be there. And the one thing I've learned in, in corporate yeah. life was starting in, I mean, starting in law school, I, yeah. this was because everyone has to be like, they put like interesting facts about the students. Yeah. And one of the ones went during the orientation for the entire yeah. law school. And they're like, yeah. one of your fellow classmates did this. One of your fellow classmates worked for WWE. And I was like, oh, fuck. And that, I'm like, that's going to be me for the next three years. I'm like the Mark, <laughs> my, my, my torch professor, who was yeah. a Harvard graduate. Right. We're talking after class and he pulls me aside and there's no one's looks around and he's like, all right, so just between you and I, how much of it's real? Yeah. I'm like, you're a fucking law professor who went to Harvard and you're asking me because everyone's secretly a mark. Everyone at some point in their life watched wrestling in some way, shape or form. Yeah. And then every legal job I've ever had, if I worked at a firm, yeah. I spent eight years at the Florida Panthers as their in-house counsel. Oh, awesome. So between the players, the executives, there's always like, and everyone looks around for us to make sure no one else is like around. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. all right, the coast is clear. I'm a huge wrestling fan. Yeah. Let's talk about it. And like, all right, we're good. Like you speak, you immediately have yeah. a shorthand. It's beautiful. But you need like a, like a bat signal to be like, no, no, I'm a wrestling fan. Now is, is your, you're, you're married. So is yeah. your wife a, a fan at all? No. Does she tolerate it or? Uh, I mean, she tolerates it. She likes it. She loves the, she, I mean, she doesn't get wrestling. I've showed her some stuff where she'll be like, that's cool. She's seen things. That's cool. But, uh, uh, the thing she likes more about wrestling is the psychology. That's where we really connect is like, I'll be like, Hey, this situation you're dealing with in your life reminds me of this situation in wrestling. You know what I mean? And I'll, I'll be like, yo, that what they're doing. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be like, it's kayfabe. They don't really feel that way. A lot of times it's business. You know, we're in the Hollywood business. It's like, Oh, it's a lot of pageantry. It's a lot of, uh, you know, it's like work. I'm like, you're getting worked, you know? And now she's like, she'll come to me and be like, this happened. And you think I'm getting worked? That's where we really connect. But she doesn't like the actual wrestling. She likes that element of it. And, and re- by the way, wrestling uh, carny talk, like when yeah. you're in the office of WWE, everyone uses the, re- the, the wrestling terms. So yeah. if you're in a business meeting, like, hey, oh, yeah. can you kayfabe the door? And I'm like, wait, what? Like, it, and and it's it gets so ingrained in me that when yeah. I was working in like other jobs, I would start teaching people to use the word kayfabe. Yeah. When I'm like, all right, hey, someone's coming. Like, we can't be talking about this anymore. Just say kayfabe. And it's kayfabe. like, oh, they love and they love using that word. And it became like this big thing on the legal end. It's like, all right, that means like shut up what we're talking about because someone else yeah. is coming and doesn't know it. Wrestling transcends. But I I remember 
when I told yeah. my wife I worked WWE, she's like, that's really cool. I took her to a SmackDown taping, yeah. big, you know, big arena. This yeah. is awesome. Then I made the fatal mistake when I was like, yeah. hey, I'm going to go see this Ring of Honor show at a high school gym. Oh, she's no. like, oh, that'll be cool. I'll go see that. And then you get that wrestling fan smell. And it's like 200 people in a high school gym. And I'm trying to explain, like, the, the main event yeah. was like, yeah, you know, Rollins, like he was Tyler Black. Then you had Tyler Brian Black, Danielson, yeah. Kevin Owens, all these big guys. And she's like, yeah. this feels really low rent and weird compared to WWE. Maybe you don't have to take me to these types of shows anymore. Yeah, I know. You got to go. You got to take people. You got to you got to take to the right thing. Like I took my wife to a house show at the forum and um, uh, I got free tickets and we were like second row or something. It was fun. And I was like, fuck, I looked around when we got there immediately. It was like, this is a mistake because the house shows does not have the full setup. And for my wife, that's a huge fucking deal. No pyro, no setup. And so Brock was on the card and Brock was just like suplexing everybody. It was when he was suplexing the whole uh, League of Nations at the time. Remember? And he was like suplexing all those guys. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. And I realized like, oh, she just she needs the lights. She needs all of it. You know, you need that to a degree, but like I took my wife to a house show yeah. and we, we were front row because I was working at the arena. It was my WWE hookup and yeah. um, and, and she's tolerating yeah. it. And it's OK. And yeah. then CM Punk came out. Yeah. And this was Punk as champion. And he yeah. see and I, I, I'm not going to be humble. like my wife compared to me is gorgeous. Like I outkicked yeah. my coverage quite a bit. Yeah. And Punk spent the entire match just hitting on her. And that became the storyline of the whole match. Like <laughs> he comes out and he's just pointing at her and pointing at her, at her heart. And, right. and she's like, oh. And uh, he's like, you're with that guy. And she's like, yeah. And she holds up the ring. He's like, it's it's a cubic zirconia. And then he like in the middle of the match, he climbs up the top turnbuckle, blows her a kiss and then hits an elbow, comes out middle of the match to pose for a selfie with her. Like and that was awesome. And she's like, this is the greatest thing ever. And I'm like, that's that's how you hook a a non fan. That didn't happen. That would have helped. That would have helped. But that's and that's why I love house shows. And that's why it sucks that they don't happen, because when you go to those you get those little weird moments where it becomes real to you. Yeah. And now for the rest of her life, she's going to remember that with CM Punk or when Ziggler came out, he gave her his shirt. Yeah. And yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. Oh, that was so cool. And, and I, I love Dolph Dolph. I, I mean, yeah, I, Dolph's you know a good Dolph. friend of mine. Yeah. I know. I know Dolph. He, he threw the Twitter account. We had to, I've ruined his career twice and we're still friends. Uh, when I was first there, we I had yeah. to work with him and he was the caddy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And they were like, <laughs> And yeah. we got TV and they're like, what does a caddy wear? I'm like, I don't know. We had to go yeah. send somebody out to go buy like khaki shorts and a polo. We're like, yeah. you're going to be a caddy. And then I, with the Spirit Squad, not only did I have to work on the Spirit Squad, I had yeah. to build their entrance video and create their entrance theme song. Really? So I, to this day, I always apologize to Dolph. I'm like, I've ruined your career twice and you're still there. And I mean, dude, you didn't ruin his career at all. No, he's probably he's, one of the highest paid guys I, on the whole roster. <laughs> he's got he's got the dream career for a lot yeah. of guys. It's like you settle yeah. in. People are like, oh, he needs to be pushing. Like he's perfectly fine where he is. He's getting TV time. Yeah, he's gonna have a job for as long as he wants it, and yeah. uh, and he's good. And that's the thing that sometimes people don't fully understand. It's like I was used to joke. Zach Ryder had the best career for the longest time. Yeah, he loved what he was doing. He was getting paid. You're you're making good money at that yeah. point and you know right and get all the royalty checks from the video games and toys and all the other stuff yeah absolutely um anyway robert you gotta go oh shit to go yeah, you to your, your valentine's day i gotta pee because i'm about to piss in my pants which by the way my listeners know i've done before 
Um, and <laughs> dude, you gotta come back. We gotta. I mean, we gotta just talk more. Uh, I got your number. I'm always down to talk wrestling. Uh, 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 but dude, so I mean, let, let I want to make sure you get your proper plug in. So, is Wrestle Roast now? Is it act? Is it is it going now? It's totally changed now. Or is there so yeah. Uh, so by the time that you're listening to this, the Twitter account's already changed over to Wrestle Roasts. There's an S at the end. Our our debut episode of the of the new show comes out this Thursday. Right. Uh, we're we're roasting Shane McMahon, so that's going to be fun. Um, you know, give it a listen. The the archive of Total F and Marks. If you Google, I think if you look on Spotify and type in yeah. Rose, all the Total F Marks episodes that come on there, I think you'll like it. Our yeah. our Ket uh, interview is dropping. This is Monday, so it's dropping today. So I'll be yeah. tweeting it out during Raw. Um, follow me on Twitter at wwcreative underscore ish. Uh, and uh, I have a pro wrestling tees store. If you you know want to get some goofy wrestling shirts, it's eight, now that I'm working at home, it's eighty percent of my wardrobe is just <laughs> my, my wrestling shirts because they're really Me comfortable. Too. Me too. Uh, awesome, dude. Uh, that's uh, that's that's dope. Uh, all right, dude, Robert. Thank you for uh, for uh, for stopping by, man. It's a good fucking time. Thank you, and, uh, and, yo. Do you think I need to cut? This is my last thing. You think I need to cut uh, that stuff? I talk about me interviewing at uh, WME. Did I say no. anything to? Did I say anything? It's gonna fucking. They're never gonna hire me. Ever, what do you think they again? have like spies out there that are listening to the podcasts? They're like, there's somebody sitting there like taking notes and like, did you hear what that one damn black guy said yeah. on that podcast? Yeah, I was talking to one friend who interviewed for WME, and they were like, uh, uh, and they were like, uh, they were like, yeah. Before I went, I like, I like paused my social media and stuff so they wouldn't see i'm a huge mark i was like i didn't do any of that i posted me front row at raw the night before yelling at randy orton's face <laughs> they they don't know they're they're not gonna they're not sitting there scouring the internet for podcasts and and being like oh th this guy's on the uh he's on the band list now for it <laughs> they probably should uh anyway uh robert dude thanks for coming by have a happy valentine's day and uh dude cheers up see you bro <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.